Hello and welcome into NCBI's Technology Podcast. My name is Stuart Lawler. This is episode number 57 for February 2017. Thank you, as always, for downloading and subscribing to our monthly technology podcast. I do hope you're going to stay with us for the next 57 or so minutes because Sean Randall from the British Computer Association for the Blind is along to tell us all about a series of new online seminars that BCAB will be hosting over the next number of months. Sharon Lyons is back. This month, Sharon did a radio course, so she might be taking over this podcast in the very near future. We talk about the radio course Sharon did and talk about online radio and how you can access it. Dave Nason will be along to talk about Apple's AirPods these new fancy Bluetooth headphones that were released just before Christmas. And we meet Dimitri, a really nice guy from Athens who has built a talking calculator for Android. That's all coming up on this month's edition of NCBI's Technology Podcast. Now, it's always nice to get feedback and emails from our many uh, technology podcast listeners. It's so, I suppose, interesting. I never take it for granted the amount of people who download and listen to this podcast and people I meet or, you know, send an email about something else and go, oh, by the way, I love the podcast. So thank you to everybody who takes the time to send emails to technologypodcast.ncbi.ie. We have so many listeners in Ireland and all over the world. And Mario Marcovina, and I hope I pronounced your surname correctly, Mario, I probably didn't. Um, Mario contacted us from Croatia and he loves the podcast and um, he was talking about keyboards and uh, electronic music and all sorts of stuff and I've been having a nice email chat with Mario over the last few days and guess what? Mario's going to be on this podcast in the next couple of months so uh, watch this space because I'm fascinated to hear more about this gentleman and about life as a blind person in Croatia. I think that'd be very interesting too. Uh, Luis Eduardo Pina uh, was also in touch. He's a regular regular listener to the podcast, an all-round good guy, bit of an expert AT user, and uh, I know he's a, a big beta tester and gets involved in lots of interesting projects, and he thoroughly enjoyed the January podcast, and he's particularly highlighted the generosity of Sharon Lyons in building a website for the benefit of the community. And it's it's something that struck me as well, and it's certainly something that a number of us in NCBI have talked about, this, this generosity, this selflessness of Sharon building the website. And on the subject of um, of Eleanor Merchant and the Young Scientist, he was mentioning the fact that Family Connections reminded him of the inventor of the Opticon in the 1970s. And he was asking if I ever used an Opticon. I, I've my memories of the Opticon, right, in the very early 80s when I was very, very young and in school, I attempted to use it and gave up miserably. And I think I gave up miserably for two reasons. I found the concept of print letters really difficult to grasp. And I think that was partly because I was still at that point learning Braille. But secondly, and probably more significantly, I was unable and I was incapable, and I think to this day I would be unable and incapable, uh, of holding the camera straight, of getting the camera in a straight line to scan across the page. Fascinating uh, piece of technology, though, the Opticon. If anybody used an Opticon successfully, we'd love to hear your Opticon stories or indeed anything else you wish to share with us. Uh, That all-important email address, again, is technologypodcast at ncbi.ie. And as always, thank you to everybody for taking the time to get in touch. Now, 
Now, the British Computer Society have been around for uh, quite a long time and uh, delighted to be catching up once again with a friend of the podcast, uh, Sean Randall. We were just talking off air that last time Sean was on, he was talking about the CAVI uh, training, which we mentioned a couple of years ago. But Sean, welcome back. Great to have you back. Thank you, Stuart. Great to be back. Uh, with a different hat this time. Yes, yes, I do change hats quite a lot. Um, <laughs> it's a nice hat. It's a nice hat. No, um, I enjoyed Cabby and I enjoyed the, the way it worked. Um, but my role with, with BCAB is a bit different and, um, yeah, a bit of variety for, for me as well as anything else. So that's that's grand. Brilliant. So tell us, and I know some of the, what, you, what you're going to talk about in a minute is is very interesting. Um, and I suppose we've been talking here in NCBI and, and I've been talking with lots of people about this idea that sometimes geographic barriers prevent people from getting to events. But before we talk about the events, um, tell us a bit about BCAB. Okay. Well, BCAB is the British uh, Computer Association of the Blind. They've been around since 1969, apparently, uh, long before my time. Um, And mainly, it started off as a group of professionals, I suppose, who got together and talked about computers. Over the years, that's widened and broadened to become a place where people can go for general help. Uh, The main focus of the community is, I suppose, our website and uh, discussion email group. Uh, They've got a very heavy um, and wide-ranging discussion forum on on email. Um, People ask all sorts of questions uh, about all sorts of technologies on there. And what we're trying to do, um, I got elected to the the Board of Trustees for BCAB back in uh, October last year. Um, And they've got a board board of eight or nine trustees who are all elected uh, by members. And uh, we try and sort of help direct the future of BCAB and try and keep things going on an even keel. Um, this sort of brings us up to where we are now, uh, which is one of my suggestions, which is, is bearing fruit, or will hopefully bear fruit, uh, in the coming weeks. Okay, and that, that I suppose, came from, and I mentioned at the beginning, the kind of geographic barriers and people who want to attend events. Were you conscious of that? You, you obviously have been thinking about this for a while. Very much, yeah. I really enjoyed the whole Cavi experience, and um, I thought that it worked quite well in some respects. And I just got to thinking, uh, because I've got a full-time job as well, and I've got a young family, you know, there are people who can't commit to weekly, uh, you know, three months or four months of, of a course, but still might want to be able to come along and learn something. And that's where sort of the idea for this, uh, you know, idea protocol came from really of starting what we are starting, uh, which is, interestingly, uh, we are running seminars. We are hoping to run um, one seminar between one every four to six weeks. So something every month. Uh, and the way it works is that you use a piece of software on your computer or your tablet or your phone. We're using the TeamTalk software, uh, which you've probably all mentioned in the past on, on your podcast, maybe. I don't know if it's come up previously as team talk um but it's a free bit of software in any case and it's fairly accessible and the idea of team talk is you connect into a chat room as they were commonly known back in the day uh, and you can listen to or participate in a live discussion and uh, we have various people lined up to present various topics uh, to which bcab members are welcome to come and join in ask questions of uh, and, and learn some new stuff so, so my understanding of team talk and um i haven't really used it a lot is that the so it, it's it's for conferencing i suppose this idea you said there'd be a seminar you can have a, a large number of people together um but the, what many people have said about it is the audio quality is is really good yeah i mean i, I think it's comparable to skype i would say 
Uh, and the other benefit of Team Talk is that when you enter a certain type of, of room on the system, it can be labeled up as a conference room so that only people who are authorized can speak. And in that way, you don't get people's random noises interfering. So uh, the way it works is that someone will present something and then we can open up the floor to questions, which literally involves ticking a box in the software as, as in the uh, owner of a room, which then says that anybody else who's present can then have their say. Okay. So, yeah. and, and can you do things like, because frequently, I know in some of the online uh, seminars and sessions I've participated in the past, you can be text chatting while the seminar is on, maybe making notes or making comments or po- posing questions to the presenter that they can see coming up on the screen. Are those facilities available? Yep, yeah, certainly are. Um, you've, there are two straight uh, strands to this. Um, there's a text um, typing area, which is just a simple input box uh, you can use. Uh, and sometimes um, when I've done presentations on TeamTalk in the past, I've used it to paste web addresses or the names of companies I've mentioned. So people get the spellings of them along with my my talking and so they can review that back and then you've got a section where you can have files so uh, a presenter could literally upload a pdf or a word document or anything really uh, related to their talk and then people could download them at their leisure Uh, so you've got both of those avenues there i was looking on the team talk website last night in preparation for this interview and and just kind of i guess uh, learning a little bit about it myself and they they do seem to put a big lot of commitment into accessibility and they talk about it quite a bit yes i mean i think that's partly because when team talk was quite new uh, a lot of blind people picked it up and started using it and so the developer was keen to sort of keep that going uh, and he didn't want to be limited into what he could add for sight of people um whereas for example you know when you make things accessible sometimes you have to use a slightly different windows control to what you might use if you wanted to use it visually you know and so what happens with team talk when you install the package you get an option for the classic accessible version or the mainstream version um but both versions work in a very similar way um the one is just more tuned if you like for a screen reader and uh, we all use the classic version but it means you can connect to any old system you're not there's not a sort of a one team talk for them one for us motif going on it's just which is better for you know for us to use they both do the same sort of thing Okay, and, and, and they do mention on the website, I mean, I was reading, they've mentioned NVDA and JAWS and Supernova and all the kind of big screen readers, I suppose, that we'd all be familiar with and that they're all compatible. That's correct, yeah. I mean, I've, I've used it on Windows 10. Um, this morning, actually, I set it up for a, a student at work and he's using the Rater and there was just no problem at all. It wow. was just talking just fine. So if it works with that, then it pretty much works with anything. Yeah, I absolutely. Think. So people can, can get this software. Um, so what type, and I know they may not all be confirmed yet, but what topics, what areas are you planning to cover in the seminars? Well, the first one we've got actually pinned down with a date um, on the 7th of February um, is all about um, using Braille screen input on your phone and tablet. So rather than using the the on-screen keyboard, um, you can put the device into a mode where you can use six fingers to type instead of using the the visual keyboard. Uh, And a lot of people don't know about it. A lot of people find it unusual and a bit strange. Uh, And I just think it's something that's not really been explored very well. Um, It came out in in iOS 8, I think. So we're looking a couple of versions ago, uh, and Android have just started doing it as well. So so that's the first topic. And are these these sort of maybe typically an hour-long seminars to include questions and answers? Yeah, I mean, uh, my my aim was to sort of talk for roughly an hour and then open the floor to questions, and we'll probably have a sort of a spiral-off discussion, really. Um, People are sort of free to leave at any point, we don't stop people leaving. Mm. Um, but equally, I don't sort of want to set a cap because, you know, the discussion can be quite interesting. Uh, sure. We had a, a team talk event last uh, last month just to get people's microphones up and running and test everyone could connect in. And we ended up talking about all sorts of things. It went on for hours. So um, I'm, I'm very keen not to say, look, you know, this is finishing precisely at, at 10 p.m. I want to keep them as open as I can and try and foster that sort of community discussion. Because as you rightly pointed out earlier, Stuart, people can't get out and about to do this round a physical table. Um, so team talk is our virtual table. 
It sounds very exciting. And I suppose following the, the first seminar on the 7th, you'll be kind of gauging reaction and feedback. And, and I guess from that, then you're, you're planning to follow on a number of other seminars. Precisely, yes. Um, we have tentatively put in the diary an open sort of open mic night, if you like, general technology chat later on toward the end of February. Um, but we have at least sort of, at least 10, I would say, events booked up without dates okay. um, over the coming year, which we hope to do. And they range from things like ebooks to computer security to braille note takers to the voice assistants that you find on your you know phones and tablets and laptops all sorts of technology topics from all sorts of angles covered by all sorts of people um and we're also looking for anyone else who is a bcab member if they've got something they want to talk about and they feel passionately about we can help them to present so if they wanted to join in and lead a presentation uh, one of the, the bcab staff members can come along and do the moderation and open and control the room and turn who uh, on and off who, you know, who can and can't speak so they can act as a moderator for that discussion if someone wants to do something of their own so we're being very flexible with uh, what we what dates we, we give out yet because i'm really hoping people will come up uh, with their own things to run and i'd love to see my stuff pushed back for a few months when people want, want to do their own things that would be really good that's a kind of an interesting point you make because i remember talking to a colleague a couple of years ago who did a, a lot of this stuff around online meetings and he was fully cited and he was making the point to me that you really do need sometimes two and maybe sometimes three people to sort of manage the whole thing you need one person maybe managing the questions and the kind of helping the users to get online or supporting them and then it lets the presenter just concentrate on their presentation yeah, I think that's very much true of the case of, of when you've got other stuff to present. I mean, for example, you know, on, on the 7th, I'll be showing off um, iPhones and iPads and things. I'll have gadgets in my hands, not just at the computer. And so I'll need someone with me. Uh, hopefully one of uh, my colleagues will step up and be helpful um, to do the moderation and keep an eye on the queue of questions, you know, reading the as they come in. And what we say to people is that if you don't want to um, type out your whole question, just send something into the text chat, like, you know, a letter Q or, or a space or something, just so we see your name pop up and then that cues the presenting team in to let the presenter you know break to let you talk um so we don't mean that people have to be you know fluent typists to join in um equally we've had people on events and that when we've trialed this out who haven't got microphones and they're just there to listen you know so it can really be as, as full or as little participation as the people want it to be um my aim really is just to try and foster a bit more of a sense of involvement uh, from our members so I suspect there's people listening who are kind of excited already and uh, would like to get involved in this. How, and, and I'm thinking, I suppose, particularly maybe of people outside the UK who may not have heard about BCAB before, but who may like to join these seminars. And I suppose, is that possible? Um, officially, um, I don't think we've got a ruling on this um, because we have um, you know, membership and members can vote on things. You know, when we have an AGM or the proposals that get put down to the, to the floor open to the membership to vote for. Um, I don't know how that works outside the UK. And equally, we, we do ship out things like newsletters and things in the post, which go articles for the blind. Uh, I know that you know, in, in Ireland, there's reciprocal schemes for that with with the postal services. Yeah. Um, I don't know how far afield that goes. Certainly, we have members outside the UK. I don't know whether they have voting rights in the organization or not. Um, but I don't see any. There's no geographical reason they couldn't attend the seminars. You know, we're not going to turn people away from these things okay. if they'd like to join. And it might just be that we have to sort of work on some sort of... Um, 
legal disclaimer about you know your your membership fee because sure. the BCAB has, has a fee um, which you know gains you entitlement to all our offerings which we've got um, newsletters as I mentioned and we are looking at more stuff coming down the pipe not just seminars um, but all, you know you might get the offerings but you might because you're not in the UK get the right to vote but, I mean that's a very small thing to some people and a very big thing to others so I just want to you know state for the record that I I can't guarantee that people who aren't in the UK will have that right yeah and and I uh, think that's absolutely more than understandable and I think I suppose for for people who might be listening they might just want to attend the events and might be very happy to sign up in order to be able to attend whatever amount of events they want during the year. Yeah, um, so the price, I suppose, is the next question. Um, we've recently changed our membership system and so that we have full and associate membership. Um, associate membership doesn't confer voting rights anyway, and it's designed to be a, a sort of membership level for sighted partners of, of visually impaired people or people who want to you know, be involved with the community without being in the community, if that makes sense. Um, so associate membership is £5 annually, and full membership is only £10 annually. So, I mean, for the price of £10, you're getting access to any of these seminars for a 12-month period, and I do think that's quite good value for money. And we, we have other things that BCAB run. Um, they run a telephone helpline um, once a month. Um, that's very popular with older people who aren't uh, very computer literate. We get a lot of phone calls asking about things like big-button telephones, um, what choice of... Um, smart TVs, that sort of thing. The less computery side of, of the computing, if that makes sense. Uh, we have a blog, we have newsletters, we have articles on the website. Membership is not just for the seminars, you know, that's even though that's what we're talking about tonight, I mean, I think there's going to be a, um, there are a raft of other benefits to members. And how can people find out more about BCAB? Well, it's quite simple. They go to the website. We are at www.bcab.org.uk. Okay, and we'll put that on the show notes for this episode. Sean, it's great to see people setting up initiatives like this to to i suppose encourage peer support and break down those geographic barriers and let people do it from the comfort of their own home so many congratulations great idea and i wish you all the very best and looking forward to staying in touch thank you very much yes keep in touch please it's been a pleasure talking to you as usual listening to NCBI's technology podcast for February 2017. I almost said 16. Yeah. Delighted to be back as always with Sharon Lyons for more shortcuts. Sharon, welcome back. Hi, Stuart. Um, it's kind of interesting because every time I see Sharon, uh, as, as if you listen to the January edition, you'll know Sharon's no longer working with us. So she's doing lots of interesting things. The other day, Sharon rang me to tell me she'd done a radio course. Um, so Sharon could be presenting this podcast from next month. Oh, this God. might be my last episode. <laughs> Hang on a minute. It's one day. It was one day course. <laughs> Um, so you, you did a, a, a kind of an interesting course because we had talked about this before, hadn't we? Yes, with, um, yes. In, in terms of some of the people we were working with in yes, NCBI. Definitely, yes. There's, um, I, I went to Dublin City FM last Saturday and I did a radio presenters course, which was one day. Um, I think you've worked with Near FM as yeah. well. Um, it's just these these really good local community radio stations that, and they're so... Um, enthusiastic for people to get involved and get into radio it's a real it was really buzzing the place there um out in east wall somewhere and um yes i did the course and of course when you go on a course you have to introduce yourself and you have to say kind of what you do so i told everyone about the sharon shortcuts website that everyone's very interested and in fact at the end of the course um one of the kind of directors of dublin city fm who also has a, a show called mediascope ellen gunning asked me if I'd like to um, 
come on her show and she'd interview me about Sharon Shortcuts. So I'm going to be on the radio on Dublin City FM on Tuesday the 31st of January. Uh, so hopefully it will be on a podcast, which we're going to talk about. Yeah, I think um, by the after. time yeah. I think by the time this podcast is out, that's yeah. happened. So we'll yeah. put a link to that interview on Dublin City FM. Yeah. So th- that's kind of, and, and this is, I think, significant for you and the, if we want to call it the Sharon's Shortcut brand, mm-hmm. because I suppose up to now, predominantly, your audience has been through this podcast, and mm-hmm. I'm sure through your own networks, has been people with disabilities, people yeah. with sight loss. Now you're kind of going on to a mainstream local community station. Mm-hmm. Who knows what's going to happen? Well, this is it. And the main thing is all about getting awareness about the fact that you can use a computer without a mouse. You know, and the, the fact that there's a lot of standard shortcuts and the more that people get interested in using shortcuts and using the keyboard more, hopefully the more that applications and um, websites and that will think about keyboard access and include it in their development. Yeah, and that's kind of what, what you wanted to do, isn't this it? This is the big plan, yes. Okay, right. <laughs> okay well, look, congratulations. We're looking forward to hearing uh, you on the radio. And um, as I say, we're putting a link to the podcast uh, on Dublin City FM on, this, on the show notes for this episode. So please check it out and you can hear Sharon uh, on the radio. Now, Sharon, I know you had some feedback from last month uh, from the podcast. Yes. Yes, I did. Yes, from... Um one of the people on my mailing list, uh, Tony Sweeney. Hi, Tony. Hi, Tony. Absolutely. And, um, I was just uh, chatting to him on email about the podcast and what sort of things he'd be interested in. And, of course, we always, um, we always welcome suggestions, uh, Stuart, don't you, about what, what oh, people all the want time. to uh, and, hear and, about. And, you know, so. I, I sort of think when you're producing something like this, you absolutely need to know what people like and don't like. Otherwise, there's no point. You're not producing it for yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's what it's all about. So thank you, Tony. And Tony mentioned, um, one of the things Tony mentioned was internet radio and how to access internet radio. And there's, there's no real easy answer to that question because there's lots of different ways. So we were going to have a look at the, the different ways yeah, today. It's really interesting. Uh, and maybe before we even do that, just to talk about what internet radio is, because I was having this conversation about two years ago with my parents, just mm-hmm. try to explain to them what it was about. Um, and internet radio is broadcasting a radio program or broadcasting over the internet, using mm-hmm. the internet as your broadcast medium. Um, and it's it's a phenomenon that's really growing now. There are stations that are just based on the internet. Yes. And they're, they're right. non-geographic, they can be anywhere. And then there are stations, obviously, that have their traditional FM or uh, digital signal, depending on where you are in the world, because mm-hmm. in Norway they've just switched off FM. Um, and then they also have an internet presence. So... Um, Mm-hmm. You can sort of say, I want to listen to, I don't know, Radio Moscow. And you hear it as though you were in Moscow. Yeah, and there's a bit of jargon involved with this, isn't mm. there, as well? Because they always talk about streaming. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and streaming is uh, basically a live stream. It's, it's the radio station being broadcast across the network, uh, across the internet, in effect, isn't it? It is, and I funny remember, we're going, we talked about dial-up internet on this podcast before, I remember you and me, but I remember in the very early, we had a computer, late 90s at home, and dial-up internet on the old Ireland Online system. 
Um, right. I think we talked to Colin Kenny about this before, actually, on this podcast, Ireland Online, but it was the main internet service provider at the time. And internet radio was RTE were just starting to broadcast on the internet and there was a huge thing and you'd mm. load RTE and it might play for a second and then it would stop oh and the audio God. was really bad but we still thought this was amazing incredible. <laughs> this is my god this is brilliant RTE can be heard all over the world and RTE obviously thought it was brilliant yes and now pretty much anybody can broadcast yeah. on the internet mm-hmm. you, you can set it up yourself very very straightforwardly um, it is doable um, maybe for another podcast or another tutorial mm. but I suppose Sharon you were asked about how to access yeah. radio stations on the internet and yeah. the the unfortunate answer to this question in some ways is that there is no quick answer to this sure there's not no not really I mean um, every radio station has its own website where you can get information about schedules and programs and podcasts of what's been on um but they're not particularly consistent with the way that they actually give access to their live streaming so um so you can go to a website or if you have your favorite radio station you could probably work out how to access their their live feed if you like um but that's that's good for that website, but it might be different on another radio station's website. So, so there there is there are no hard and fast rules other than checking out the website of the station, I suppose, really, mm-hmm. isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, for example, like I have... Um, shall I do an example? Absolutely. So, for example, Dublin City FM, of course. Um, I have to plug them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, um, I'm on Google uh, in Mozilla Firefox at the moment. So Google is my homepage. We talked about that before. So I can do a search. I can do Space Dublin C City one F- FM. Search convert Dublin City FM Google search document. And um, that's my search results. So I press H for heading. Dublin City FM visited link heading level 3. So H brings me to Dublin City FM, so I press enter on that. Dublin City FM Google search Mozilla Firefox. Unknown. Dublin City FM Google search Mozilla Firefox. Dublin City FM Google search document busy. Okay, okay, I think we're there. And um, if I arrow down here... Clickable heading level 2 search form. Clickable search. Oh, this is Edit has auto-complete. Button search. Link graphic Dublin City FM. Okay, I'm definitely on Dublin City FM. But what I can do is I can press B for button. Play button. And it takes me straight oh, wow. to the play button. That's accessible. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's not too bad. Now, I can press enter. And Next number, if you want to get in touch with the go. program, is 087 That's 087-179-1032. <laughs> And I can press enter again and it will stop it, you know. So it has like a play pause button there, but it doesn't give me access like we were doing with YouTube, do you remember? And and the podcast. Yeah, to your volume and stuff. To the volume and fast forward and rewind. Button, Does it visually give you access? Like with a mouse? Could with you a like? mouse, yes. Okay. <laughs> well, it gives you access to volume control. Okay. Anyway, but yeah. I played around with it a lot and I couldn't get it to work without a mouse. So. One of the big questions people have, I think, when it's online radio, because it, it, you, generally you listen to the radio, you want to listen to the radio while you're doing something else. And I often do that. I'd have the internet or I'd be doing something like the radio on the background. Mm. And the radio is, it is very important, therefore, then to be able to control the volume of the radio independent to the volume of your screen reader. Yeah. So yeah, you turn, turn down the radio and keep the 
you know the screen reader at the, the same volume that's the problem isn't it yeah this is it yeah um and the only way we've i've found and sharon and i were talking about this off air before to do this is with a of what's called a standalone player and we, we might come back to that yeah. in those shortcuts because it probably is worth exploring but it takes a little bit of time to mm-hmm. get all this stuff set up mm-hmm. um, but if you just want to use your internet as a, a radio player and another way of accessing Irish stations in particular is the EasyLinks website yeah. which I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with but if I just go Alt D and type in Easy links dot EU and there's loads of stuff on here and I've just stopped her talking there so so I could carry on Um, and I can press H for heading Paul Trainer's tutorials good old Paul Trainer yeah absolutely news and information news and information RTE player RTE player well level 2 yes all Ireland regional newspapers newspapers TV listings TV listings radio listings Radio listings. Head all Ireland radio stations. And eventually get to re- radio stations. Two. And I can go the down. The following are direct links to listen to radio stations on the island of Ireland. Okay. Link 2XM. Link link choice. Link gold. Okay, link so we've junior. got lots of different ones. Link, link pulse. Link radio 1. And then if I press H again. All Ireland regional Irish radio stations. We have regional Irish radio Heading stations. Left. The following are direct links to. Okay. Link beat 102, link blast 106, link blast 106 Belfast. Belfast. Wow. Okay. Um, and I could do the links list as well. So I could do uh, insert F7. Elements list dialogue. And I could press D for Dublin. Drive 100. K. K for. Limerick for Kilkenny or Limerick FM. there I've got Limerick okay let's try Limerick shall we okay let's go for Limerick yeah and 88 level welcome to EasyLinks okay direct links to text only websites this is what you've been hearing since the start of the year but how about out with the old car and in with a brand new highly specced so this has started playing automatically when you click the link on EasyLinks yes yeah so this is live 95 FM in in Limerick and we've gone on to some adverts at the moment but um, again it's playing it's actually on tunein.com um, and if I wanted to stop listening I could press the backspace just to go back um, oh, hold on. Oh, there we go. That's live, 95 FM. Ah, so it gave an ad first because it's tune-in. It's because it was a tune-in okay. ad. It wasn't an, ish- an ad on the um, on the radio station. Now, okay. I'm just going to press backspace. Welcome to EasyLinks. And that will stop playing the radio station and take me back to the list of radio stations on EasyLinks. So I could choose a different one. Um, and go to that one if I wanted to. So EasyLinks is a good way mm. to, because all these stations are listed there, as I said, it was national station, there's these regional All-Ireland stations that you can browse to one, press enter, it starts playing. You do, I think, Sharon, still have the issue with the volume then, don't yeah, you? Yeah, that's yeah. right, yeah. It's a, it's a kind of mouse-accessible media player that in tune-in. Okay. Um, so the only way to kind of get rid of it is just to move away from that page and it will stop playing. Lots of people are using, are nowadays, because I suppose, and certainly I, I know I, I do it myself, when you travel, you bring in your phone with you and your phone is your radio. Yes. So you're loading up TuneIn or, or playing through the web player or, or an app for your favourite station, whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think people are finding accessing a radio station on a mobile device to be sometimes 
less hassle. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So the apps that you can get, you have more control of over them. The great thing with mobile phone apps is they kind of simplify things, you know. So you've got certain controls on the screen and, you know, like on the iPhone, VoiceOver will read them out to you. So you have a certain amount of more control over the the different aspects of playing a radio station. Yeah. And then, of course, there are, I suppose, other devices. And the one Mm -hmm. that we showed a few months ago, the Echo, the Amazon Alexa Echo device. Mm -hmm. You can tell it to play something. Yeah, it's brilliant. I've been playing with it, actually. <laughs> it's very handy. I yeah. mean, you know, play whatever, play RT1, play whatever radio station it is. And it, again, it takes its its um, its radio feed from TuneIn. Yeah, that's right. So you say to it, like I'd say to it, play um, Dublin City FM on TuneIn. And, and off it goes, you know. And then you can control the volume with your voice as well. Um, so... It's it's a handy, very handy way of accessing things. Yeah, and it, it, it's really interesting how online radio, even for for the big stations, has really become a, a, a big part of their market. There's lots of people now, in particular, I guess, people living outside of Ireland who want to listen to RT, who want to hear the news. A friend of ours in Germany, who you and I both know, Catherine, who are oh, yes. um, Sharon, who used to work here, says she still listens to RTE in the mornings to hear the oh, traffic news no in Dublin. Way. She likes to hear the traffic news. <laughs> so. I have a thing about traffic as well, actually. <laughs> traffic news. So she, she likes and to hear the Dublin traffic Dublin City news. FM because I love listening to live drive. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's those kind of things. People, it's so easy now, isn't it, for people mm. to access the radio. Absolutely, yeah. So just the, the few shortcut keys there, I suppose, were the, the headings. When you mm-hmm. go into Easy Links, you have your headings categorized down with your links, or you mentioned the insert in F7, which is yeah. a NVDA and JAWS key. It is, yeah. yeah. So I'm using NVDA here, and insert F7 works really well. The great thing about insert and F7, if I do it again here. Elements list dialog. The great thing about that list, um, we might have said this before, is that you can just press the first letter of what you want. And it will go straight there. Um, well, it will go straight to anything beginning with that letter. So you can jump around because there's a lot of a lot of links on websites. and You want to kind of find things quickly. Yeah. So it enables you to jump down the page to what you want. OK, well, look, I, I hope that's given some people some ideas for radio stations. We may come back in a future podcast and talk more about players. I think we welcome feedback to technology podcast at ncbi.ie or info at Sharon's Shortcuts. Sharon's dash shortcuts dot IE um, and Sharon best of luck with your Dublin City FM appearance Thank we'll you. be checking out the link on the podcast and looking forward to chatting to you in March great thanks Stuart In October last of uh, 2016, we were delighted again to have our regular panellists, uh, Dave, Salim and Kerry with us talking all about what was new back in iOS 10. It does seem quite a while since iOS 10 was released, but one of the big things about iOS 10 and more specifically about the new iPhone 7 was the removal of the headphone jack. And at the time, our panellists were talking about the Apple AirPods, Apple's new wireless headphones. Well, Dave Nason has come back to talk to us about Apple AirPods. Dave, welcome back to the podcast. Delighted to be here. Thanks for having me. You are the owner of a pair of Apple AirPods. I am indeed. I couldn't resist. For me, they were they were the star of the show when we were talking about the the announcement of the iPhone 7 and everything. These were the one the thing that stood out for me, I think. 
and you've blogged about this on your website. We'll put a, a link to the blog post on the show notes for this episode because it kind of chronicles the whole story from October because these AirPods, Apple mentioned them and there was a lot of hype, but then they weren't available for a while. Yeah, that was a bit disappointing because they took away the headphone jack, as you know, and one of the things they said was, as part of that really was, well, we've got these cool new uh, wireless AirPods for you, so, you know, don't worry about it. And we'll have them out by the end of October. And then that came and went, uh, the November came and went, and everyone's wondering, where are these things? And then they just dropped in December. So I don't think they handled that message very well. I think if um, if you're not going to be sure when they're going to be available, then they could easily have said they'll be out before the end of the year or something, you know, and I just don't think they set the right expectation, but sure, these things happen. Yeah, and you make the point in your blog that they're obviously, you know, we, we all want Apple to wait until the thing is ready. There was probably a bit of, let's get as much hype from this launch as we can, so stick them in for marketing purposes, but then obviously they realised in terms of quality control, they just weren't there yet. It seems like that, yeah. There was a lot of debate in, online about what was going on, but um, sure, they got there in the end so so you've you you got them just before christmas i did and i wasn't expecting to because i think it was the 13th of december they suddenly appeared as available and i was even a couple of hours waiting um before i kind of got round to it and hemming and hawing about whether i'd actually go ahead and order them or not straight away and i did and i got a sort of two week till ship um or a two-week shipping date and, you know, an expected delivery date of the 4th of January. So I thought, oh, well, I'll live. And then next thing, one week later, 20th of December, they showed up. So (laughs) Brilliant Christmas present then. Yeah, exactly. It was a a nice little surprise to get them so quickly. Now, you've made the point on the blog, and it's something that I really can identify with because I generally hate in-ear headphones. Um, They either make my ears sore or they keep falling out. And I've just had so many problems, but I've always loved Apple's earpods in particular the 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 later ones i suppose and Mm. you sort of said something similar and that these are the same just they don't have any wires that's it yeah because yeah like yourself the only in-ear phones i've ever found that actually stay in my ear comfortably and don't just fall out the whole time are apple's uh, earpods which i don't know why that is but just uh, they're the only ones i've ever liked so i was very happy when they announced these that they're exactly the same um physically in your ears as uh, earpods as the regular ones that you get with your iphone i haven't seen these yet but i'm sort of visualizing my current traditional apple earpods on their wires so i suppose it's yeah. just like the earpods with the wires cut off yeah just snip those wires off <laughs> okay. and uh, that's pretty much it the little stem that comes down is marginally maybe thicker and longer but it's essentially take the wires off the earpods and that's it. Now, pairing devices, you know, when you get headphones, you get Bluetooth speakers or whatever uh, kind of device you get, there's always, a, you know, pairing can sometimes be tricky. There's usually a different procedure depending on what make it is. Um, and you outline in the blog, and this sounds very cool, Apple have made this so easy. Yeah, I think it's one of the key selling points because these things will work like ear, uh, Bluetooth earbuds with anything you could use these with an android phone but the magical pairing will only work if you've got apple devices so you it has a little charging case and when you uh, take that out of the box you simply flip open the lid of the case with the Air- airpods inside and a little thing that looks a bit like the control center on your iphone pops up on screen sees the airpods you select pair 
and you're done. And it's then paired not only with your iPhone, but with any other device, iPad, Mac, anything that uses your Apple ID. They're all paired straight away. Okay, so using these um, AirPods, there, there, there's there's a few things, I suppose. Um, first of all, you mentioned in the blog they they don't have they don't have buttons they don't have controls, but there are gestures to to enable certain features. Yeah, I think this is still a little limited, but I suppose they're first generation. But essentially, the gesture you have is a double tap on the side of the AirPod, and you have a choice of what you want that double tap to do. It can either act as a play pause function, um, or it can invoke Siri. And then it also answers and hangs up phone calls. How have phone calls been for you with this? Because sometimes with Bluetooth technology, you know, it, I, I know in the past, certainly I've had mixed results with Bluetooth. They've been pretty good for me so far. And I didn't tell people that I was using them. And nobody has ever said, what's going on with the sound on your call? Do you know what I mean? They just apparently sound very similar to how I'd sound using my AirPods with the wires. So... Yeah, for the most part, they've been very good in that sense on calls. Bluetooth audio has a tendency to lag sometimes, and this doesn't really impact on sighted users. But for those of us using voiceover, it becomes kind of crucial. Have you had similar problems with the with with the AirPods? Yeah, it's still there, and I compared it to I have a pair of over uh, over ear headphones that are Bluetooth as well, and I noticed you know the that lag is very similar i find though i think with more modern bluetooth i think they're it's not as bad as it was five years ago maybe with earlier versions of bluetooth i think so you can navigate the phone okay at least i find i can anyway it's not driving me nuts when i'm trying to just get to my email or just do general functions the only time i find it a bit too irritating to use is if i'm typing on the on-screen keyboard it's just uh, anything more than a sentence or so i i can't hack it <laughs> to be honest so now charging these uh airpods they charge in the case is that right yeah so they come in a little plastic case that's you know nice and small and portable um has a kind of like magnetic flip lid on it and they just the, the airpods just slot in and they're kind of dragged in magnetically. So uh, they sit in the case uh, nicely. And to charge them, then the case holds 24 hours worth, they say, of uh, charge, and the AirPods themselves hold five. So anytime you put the AirPods back in the case, the case just starts charging them. Even if you know they're just sitting in your pocket or what have you, the case charges the AirPods. And then to charge the case, you just plug it into your lightning cable, so like your iPhone. All right. So, so you could you could have the case charging while you're listening to the AirPods and yep. just put them back in afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you get several days out of it. I tend to find anyway. I suppose it, it depends how much you use, but um, yeah, they say about five hours of playback um, in the AirPods themselves, and like I say, twenty four hours in the in the case so on the whole i've been pretty happy because that would have been one of the bigger concerns i suppose people had w- with little bluetooth earphones the size that they are <laughs> that uh, that be the battery would be an issue but i think they've come up with a good solution there yeah and on that note uh, because i suppose we know how small the earbuds are on their cables you did mention in the blog post that you know there could be a certain being a bit nervous of taking them out and i can understand that if something gets lost have you ventured out with them no big disasters yet I haven't lost them yet, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm knocking on wood as we speak. Um, I haven't ventured out 
side very often. Like I'd use uh, them a lot around the house quite a lot anyway. Um, I'm always listening to stuff. But I have gone outside with them a, a few times now as well and haven't lost them yet. I suppose because I know they, they fit in my ear very well and they don't fall out of my ear, I could shake my head around and, you know, listening to rock music if I wanted to, <laughs> you know, headbanging to the rock music if I wanted to, and they still wouldn't come out, I don't think. But it's more when I take them out of my ears or when I'm putting them into my ears or taking them in and out of the case is when I find I'm liable sometimes to, to drop one, you know what I mean? They just slip out of your hands. Like, so that's what I'm kind of more worried about, really. It strikes me that could be useful in scenarios where maybe you're out and about, you want to query something on maybe maps, you don't want to pull your phone right out to be on display, or you're standing at a bus stop and you're querying the bus times, um, you have this, these things in your ears and the phone is still in your pocket. Yeah, yeah, you could do that and you could just double tap on the side and ask Siri something or that kind of thing. And one feature I believe that they're bringing out in the next, maybe in the next version of iOS, um, I think it's in the beta as at the moment, is a find my AirPods feature. So I think you'll select something on your phone and it'll let out a high pitched kind of sound from the AirPods okay. so that you can kind of find them. Down behind the couch or something like that, or wherever they might happen to yeah. have fallen. Yeah, You wouldn't want to uh, press that when they're in your ears, though. I no, think. no, I wouldn't think so. Um, okay, and you... You you mentioned in the in the blog post as well that maybe you'd be hoping for more uh, functionality in terms of gestures in future upgrades. Yeah, it's something I'd like to see anyway. Would be you know as, as I said they have that double tap. I kind of think things like maybe the double tap on the left and the double tap on the right could have different functions, or a triple tap, or could you know for things like skipping a song or going backwards in a song and that kind of thing. Because the one thing I don't like, and I found this with um, with these AirPods, but also even with regular AirPods, is sometimes when you try to do actions like changing volume, um, when I've got these in, it wakes up the screen, which wakes up voiceover, which speaks over the book or whatever or podcast that you're listening to. I don't know if other people find that, but uh, that kind of irritates me a little bit. So if I want to rewind a book, by 30 seconds using these i tend to find instead i rewind the book by uh one minute or something if i'm asking siri to do it because yeah. i have to allow for the fact that siri will be chatting away over the yeah <laughs> over the yeah book. so i think having gestures just to skip backwards skip forward without ever having to wake up the phone would be great and you can we were talking off air with this before we came on that you can check the battery status of the earpods themselves uh on on, on the phone yeah, so you, there's a couple of things. So when they're in their case, if you just flip open the lid of the case, a screen will pop up again. That screen that's a bit like control looks a bit like control center. It will give you the charge of the case and of the AirPods themselves. Um, and when the AirPods are in your ears, if you um, go into the today view, is that what they call it? Uh, the screen to the the, to the left of the home yeah, screen anyway. the, the page one uh, that has your calendar appointments and stuff like that. Yes, yeah. that's the one. One of the widgets on there is for batteries. So you can see your, it's, an, it's a, an alternative place where you can see your iPhone battery. And it's also things like if you've got other Bluetooth devices um, and not just Apple ones, actually any Bluetooth devices that you've connected, I believe will show up in there. Okay, so Dave, we uh, clearly you like them. The article is very complimentary of them. You're enjoying them. Um, we have to ask how much they cost. They cost um, 179 euro is what they'll set you back. So they're not cheap. 
they're not cheap, but if you're going to use them a lot, and I suppose if in-ear headphones have been a problem for you in the past, and if you want something Bluetooth, then it sounds like a pretty robust solution. I think they are, yeah. I think if you're if you're using an iPhone particularly, um, and especially even more so if you have an iPad and things like that that you use as well, I think um, you'll get a lot of good use out of them. I think they're really good on the whole. They're a first-generation product. I'm sure they're, you know, generation two will be better again. But uh, I, I'd overall, I would recommend them, I must say. Uh, Dave, as always, thanks for coming on and sharing your passion for technology and um, hope to chat to you very soon. Great. Thanks a million. Sure. We don't often cover the Android operating system on this podcast. In fact, we probably don't cover it enough. But uh, this month, I'm delighted to say that we are talking Android because I came across a little while ago a gentleman in Greece who's designing or has designed rather a talking calculator for the Android operating system. And Dimitri joins us from Greece on Skype. Um, Dimitri, welcome to our podcast. Thanks for getting in touch. Hello, Stuart. Thank you for inviting me in your podcast. Very nice to have you. Uh, so, so, so just before we talk about the calculator, tell us a little bit about yourself. You're a, mm-hmm. you're a developer, is that right? No, no, no. Uh, actually, I, I am a lawyer. I'm, I'm a military legal advisor. I work for the Hellenic uh, Ministry of Defense. And uh, I developed it as an amateur developer wow. <laughs> in my free time. My God, that's that's quite amazing. Okay, so so you you're not a you're not doing this every day. It was just something you decided. Let's no. look at an app. Okay, now the, the app yeah. is the app is a, a calculator for, for to be uh-huh. used on Android by blind people. How did you sort uh-huh. of come up with this idea and the and the target audience of blind people? Yeah. Um, I was just wondering how 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 uh, people that are uh, visually impaired use a flat uh, screen surface uh, uh, phones, uh, you know, with, with touch screens. So uh, I thought that uh, maybe a device, an actual hardware device, uh, would be available in the market, but probably it would have been bulky or it would need uh, batteries and stuff. So if you have a your phone with you all the time, it would be easier for you to use an app um, uh, in, your, in your phone, just designed in a way that will help you to understand exactly what you are doing. Okay, so your, your app is a, is a talking calculator. Now, there's, there are access solutions mm-hmm. available for Android. Obviously, there's, there's a screen reader that makes the phone talk. So does your app mm-hmm. work with this access technology or does your app sort of speak on its own? Um, Cobu has uh, three three extra features. First of all, it has a two-step verification uh, input process. When the user touches a button, uh, the phone vibrates and speaks the symbol of the button. The button isn't uh, actually selected, though. It doesn't consider it as input just yet. Uh, so the user can actually know it if he has uh, pressed the wrong button. If the button was the right one, he just has to keep his finger pressed on the button, and after a second, it will be selected, and the app will speak that it was actually selected. It's a two-step verification procedure, and it uh, minimizes the danger of having pressed the wrong number or the wrong uh, operation symbol. Okay, <coughs> excellent. So you're hitting... So it's, it's a quite simple, really. You're, you're locating the button first, and then you're verifying by, by keeping your finger on it. Yeah, you, you, okay. you, you touch it, you, you hear 
what uh, button you have pressed. And if it's okay with you, you just keep your finger pressed and uh, it will be selected after one second. So in terms of what it does, I mean, the basic functions of a calculator, Does it? Is it scientific as well? I mean, how far can this thing go? I, I did have a, an idea for a scientific calculator as, as well, but I, for the time being, COBU is just a simple calculator. It does the four uh, basic math operations, and uh, including negation, exponentiation, uh, and percent. And the app is called COBU. Is, uh, sorry, COBU, is that right? Co- Cobu, yeah, that's right. Cobu, uh, um, C-O-B-U. and that's about C O B U. Okay, now um, it, it's in the Play Store, is, is my understanding, and unfortunately, I don't mm-hmm. have an Android mm-hmm. device at this moment to test it on. But what mm-hmm. feedback have you been getting? I presume because I know you put an email out. I, I saw it on a, through an email list. I but are you getting feedback from blind users already? Uh, actually, uh, just. Uh, Two. <laughs> the, the one was you, uh, and another was a guy from uh, New Zealand asking for an interview if I was a New Zealand uh, resident. But uh, I told him that I live in Australia. Well, at least you got on this podcast, I suppose. So, so that's that's a start. Yeah, uh, you're, yeah. you're, you'd, you'd obviously yeah, yeah. like people to try this out, I presume, and, and give you more feedback. Yes, exactly, exactly. Uh, my, my guess was that Kobe uh, could be useful, for example, in a classroom. Uh, it is uh, designed to be size responsive, so it can be used equally well on a projector board. Uh, it can be used in a kindergarten, it can be used by students, and can be used by anyone who might need a calculator just in everyday life or by someone who's, uh, let's say, in a different country and needs to calculate the value of money according to the exchange rates. Ah, yes. Or just anyone who has an interest in mathematics. I mean, it strikes me as well, Dimitri, that your calculator, I mean, I'm sure there are there are built-in calculators on the Android operating system. There probably is a, a sort of a generic one with stock Android, but it strikes me that yours, because of this, as you called it, this two-step verification, is probably yeah. is probably um, a better a better one to use, certainly for people beginning. Um, yes, yes, that, that that was the that was the idea, and um, another another extra feature that it has that I, I didn't talk about it was it is that it has a status button. It is a a, a big button on the left uh, hand side of the screen and uh, what it does is whenever you press the app uh, speaks all your action taken at that time so if it is has taken too long to decide what uh, math operation you want to perform and you're not uh, sure what uh, you have done so far pressing that uh, status button will uh, remind you uh, all actions uh, taken very useful feature so the app is called Kobe Kobu C-O-B-U. Cobu. C-O-B-U. Sorry. And it's in it's in, at, it's in the at, Play at Store. The, at the beginning I was I was thinking of calling it uh, Euler. Euler was a, a very famous uh, mathematician who was uh, blind after a while in his life. Maybe he was the best uh, mathematician in history. But uh, there were uh, uh, I saw that there were several uh, apps uh, called the Euler, so I just uh, went for a different name. Okay. Before we let you go, Dimitri, I have to say it's one of the most interesting in terms of, let's say, job descriptions. You're you're a lawyer in Greece and you're to, doing some app development yeah. in your free time. Are you going to do more of this? Are you going to maybe develop something else in, in the future? Uh, yes. Um, uh, 
I would like to, to invite uh, anyone listening to us uh, just to email me uh, whenever they want for any comments or uh, on Kobe or suggestions. I would be glad to improve it. Or even if they have an idea for another app that can be useful, I will definitely try to build it. I can't uh, promise it, but I'll give it a shot. <laughs> that's a, that's, uh, that's the I, kind I, of I spirit. I have some, some ideas. <laughs> okay, well, listen, that's brilliant. Yeah, like, uh, Good. I, I, I really hope I, I get some uh, feedback on it. Okay. Uh, do, 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 uh, do you want to give us your, your, your email address where people can get in touch with you if they want to? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. It's dot com. All right. Dimitri, it's been lovely to speak to you. Thank you for taking the time. I wish you every success. I think it's actually, it's great that you're taking this on completely voluntarily, completely on the side, and you're doing something for the visually impaired community. So thank you for that. And I do hope more people will test this app and give you feedback. For the, for the moment, um, I'd like to thank you again for coming on our podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much for uh, inviting me. I do hope that uh, Kobyu gets to be uh, useful for uh, even for one person all right dimitri thanks a million thanks a lot thanks a lot bye-bye Thank you very much, Dimitri. Uh, that was one of the most interesting interviews I ever did and one of the nicest for me to record because Dimitri is is the type of person that it's just, you know, he's such a, a nice laid back guy. I really enjoyed chatting to him on Skype. I didn't know until we started that interview that he wasn't an app developer by profession. He's a lawyer, as you heard, and he's kind of doing it in his free time. And, and it's people like Dimitri, I think, that this community really should um, encourage, I suppose, to develop something. If you have an idea, develop it. He's very keen to hear from anyone, if it can help anyone. He had an idea, he went off and developed it. And I'm really glad if this podcast can be a platform for people like Dimitri to talk about what they're doing. So, well done, Dimitri, Sarah. It was absolutely brilliant, and thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. And, of course, thank you to Sean Randall, Sharon Lyons, and Dave Nason. That's just about it for this month, Because, but join us, even, uh, in March, because, amongst other things, Ed Rogers from Bristol Braille Technology will be back to give us an update on the Canute Multi-Line Refreshable Braille Reader. Until then, this is Stuart Oller saying take care, have a good month, and talk to you in March. Bye-bye.